Wow, do we have some chapters to cover today from Lord of Chaos. I mean, literally, bondage. Ah, it right? gets worse the more you think about it. So, ooh, we're going to have fun with Lord of Chaos, chapters 10 and 11 today. And uh, this is, again, our format that we adapted to last episode as the first time, where it's not quite as thorough a breakdown anymore. Uh, we're still covering all the important stuff, but we're going to spend a little more time just talking about the things we thought were most important in these chapters, or that we just felt like spending the most time talking about. As Which opposed is, to line by line. Yeah, I think that's fun because uh, I like talking about stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> we did have one of our viewers say, oh, but I liked the way you were doing it before. And we appreciate that. That's why you're here, because we were doing that kind of content. We're still going to deliver. Trust us. We're not going to lead you wrong. We're going to make sure you know what the foreshadowing is, what the most significant points are. But it was just getting too hard for me to get all those notes done, and I needed to freshen this up. Now, to be fair, I will lead you wrong, but I've been leading you wrong since the beginning. It's why I'm here. It is why he's <laughs> here. That's true. Speaking of why he's here, why I'm here, this is Fantasy for the Ages. I'm the father. That's the son. And we talk about the Wheel of Time on episodes like this. And then the rest of our episodes are all sorts of fantasy, science fiction, and other nerdy stuff that you might enjoy. We hope you'll enjoy this and hit the like button down below. And if you haven't checked us out yet, look at our other kinds of content and all the cool things we have there. We hope you'll stick around and subscribe. Okay, uh, before we actually talk about this, is there anything you're drinking? Um, so we're not recording on a normal like weekendy day. Uh, it's a little earlier in the day. I still have to go to work after, so I'm not drinking, drinking. Um, I've got a, a cup of tea brewing in a couple of minutes. I'll do more with it, but... That's yeah, a I'm, big mug of tea, man. That well, a it's a big mug of tea. It's a nice, like, we, we were out yesterday, and while we were out, we were like, hey, let's stop in the shop, see if they've got any candles, and then we saw this mug, and it's got, like, a built-in diffuser, uh -huh. ceramic, and... Now, it, it helps that nice. you, you pulled it back a little. So at first you were like, so I, I just have my thing of tea no, just, and it was really my big. Coffee. My <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Granted, on the other side of me, I, I do have my big ass TARDIS mug, um, which is probably bigger on the inside. But, you know, it currently has pens and hey. it does fit an entire pot of coffee. I have checked. Just like I have a wine glass that fits a whole bottle of wine. And I used it on one episode. It was great. Yeah. It had it's one of those things where when it. you get something that big, you got to use it at least once. At least one. Just to say that you'd have. Yes, yes. So this is, in the United States, the President's Day holiday. Most people go to work as normal. People who work in schools, federal employees, they all have it off. I work in the private school sector, and we have it off. So I'm free, and your mother works in a child care center, and it's one of the few holidays they do take. So she's off today, too. She's still sleeping. This is early in the morning, Pacific time. So I am just drinking coffee, but I'm not going to work later. I'm going out. Uh, we're going to go wander a town that we've never explored before. And then we're going out wine tasting. So woohoo! how far out of town do you have to get to get to a town you've never been at this point? Not never been, never wandered and explored. We're just mm. going to battleground because mm. we've never parked and just walked the downtown shops and explored the town. We've driven yeah, through like it as close as times. you can get from where you are and not be where you are. Right? Pretty much. So it should be pleasant. But let's talk about these chapters. Yes. Hey, I've got happening? the summary for chapter 10 first. And oh, god dang it. I didn't write down the title of the chapter. <laughs> let's just pull the book back off the shelf. Yours is bigger than mine. Then again. I'm not touching that, man. I am not. Mine's yours, so... A saying in the borderlands. That's what chapter 10 is. I wonder what the saying is. It's only like we've got one specific saying that we hear over and over about the borderlands. <laughs> now, this is a powerful chapter. It has huge ramifications. It's a Rand chapter again. We're in his POV. We're back in Camelin for the entirety of this chapter. And uh, we start off with Rand just pining for the days when he was a nobody and could just go on a walk on his own. Because he can't. 
He's constantly now surrounded by Fardarai's Mai, keeping him protected by other clan chiefs who want his opinion on things. He's got all these sycophants in Camelin who want his approval of such or to earn special privileges from him. He's got the Camelin uh, Castle staff who are always deferring to his needs and, and trying to make sure everything is done just right. And it's a bit exhausting. So that's where he starts at in that frame of mind. And that's important to where this chapter goes. We learn that he's been in contact with Mazrum Taim. Now, remember, Taim has already been set up out outside of yeah, Cameron, he got it, uh, put out to the farm the farm that's right put out to pasture uh-huh. uh, where he is training he's supposed to be training uh people to use the power and we'll talk more about that in your chapter but what we get here is simply that there has been some contact between taim and rand off screen okay we haven't seen it but there has. And one of the things that's come from that is Taim has taught Rand the trick of not sweating. That we know is such a big thing for the eyes to die, and that it's not a thing of the power. Mm. It's like a mental construct. Mm. I want that mental construct. Yeah, we'll circle back to that. But at the same time, if you just make yourself not sweat, that's called heat stroke, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, mm. you're supposed to sweat. Your body needs that. We'll circle back to this. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Camelin is filling up with people. Twice as many people are coming in because, Rand, it's the Dragon Reborn, and they're flocking to him than the numbers that are leaving. So some have fled because, oh, a false dragon took over and killed our queen and all that. Rumors are everywhere. Nobody knows the truth. But that, but the point here being twice as many are coming as are leaving. Hmm. So it's getting fuller and fuller of people, and it's hard to keep track of all the people that are showing up. And if Rand could somehow disseminate accurate information, he would do that. But man, people just like to make up crap. Rumors so, are very hard to control. <sighs> easy to start, easy mm-hmm. to let go like mm-hmm. a wildfire, hard to troll. So like there are so many people, 100% sure he killed Queen Morghese. And maybe he eliminated Elaine as well. He's saying mm-hmm. he's saving this throne for Elaine to come to take, but at least half the people don't believe that at all. He's just posturing. Ran learns in the midst of the information of what's happening in Camelin that two Aes Sedai have showed up. And for the most part, Aes Sedai had been avoiding Camelin since Ran took over. Mm-hmm. And early in the chapter, we had the comment that Rand hasn't been hearing that loose Theron voice in his mind lately. But as soon as he hears about the Aes Sedai, oop, there's loose Theron. So that that's a trigger. No, it's no. Still but, there. Now, of course, loose Theron has concerns about these women who may, you know, do something to him. That's that's what happens there in his head. It's a protection mechanism. But Rand has the conscious thought, okay, there's two Aes Sedai. I can handle two Aes Sedai. I'm going to check this out. So he and an escort, again, Aes Sedai, uh, not Aes Sedai, uh, Aiel, various Aiel go along with him. And mm-hmm. they go to this inn in a, ver- in a spot out in Camelin where they had heard... There's these two Aes Sedai. And going inside the inn, Rand is shocked to discover a cluster of young women all from the two rivers. I know you. I know you. I know you. He doesn't know them all. And we, of course, know the two rivers has swelled in population now. But Mm -hmm. he certainly recognizes a bunch of them. And they know him. But this is so refreshing to Rand because they don't know the dragon reborn. They see Rand. And he just has a moment of warmth and a touch of home as people who just knew him growing up in the two rivers and liked him just swarm. I mean, one of them is Matt Cawthon's younger sister, Bode. So awesome. This is fun. This is delightful. Bodie? Bode? I don't... You say Bodie? I don't remember. B-O-D-E. People are going to be mad at us either way. One of these... If it was... If you put an A in the front, it would be a Bode. Not a Bodhi. So yeah, Bode is not inappropriate I, to say. See what the glossary says, if anything. I'm I curious. doubt. I've got the Jordan rarely helps us out there. I can look in the companion after a little bit while, like, you're talking. See, I got this big honking chonker here, and I, and I can find and see if it says. So I'm setting Confident. that down in front of me. Okay. From this group, he learns a few things. First of all, they're here in the two rivers because two Aes Sedai have discerned that they all can channel 
or have the ability to learn to channel and are being taken to the White Tower to train, just like Egwene did. Egwene's like their hero. Um, these Aes Sedai are Varen Sedai and Alana Sedai. And Rand has met both of them before, especially Varen, who has known his secrets longer than a lot of other Aes yeah, Sedai out there. Absolutely. Knew he was the Dragon Reborn and was all kind of in that well before the world at large did. Right. He also learns from this group of women that the transformation in the two rivers, you know, he heard little inklings. Oh, now he gets the scoop. And uh, Lord, Lord Perrin is like, what? Oh, and married Lord Perrin, that him and Fayil are together now. That He kind of looks that. Good That's good Perrin. Of course, Rand feels bad hearing about what's happened in the two rivers, sees it as his fault, but he's slightly a eased in that he did allow Perrin to leave. He, you know, let him go, and Perrin was there when Rand couldn't. So, okay, something worked is in Rand's mind. Now, seeing all these ladies, and remember, he started the chapter frustrated. He can never be alone, Every, all the pressures and stuff. Now he's with these women who just know him as Rand. And it sets him a little more at ease. It's so pleasant. So that when Varen and Alana, whom, again, he has met before, and Varen is one of the ones he's more likely to trust amongst the Aes Sedai, when they ask to speak with him alone, he accedes to their request. Tells his Aiel guards, you know, just wait outside. I will talk to them alone. And the Aiel, or the uh, Aes Sedai, they have their warders leave the room too. It's just going to be the three of them. Rand's like, there might be things we'll talk about. And, and also, I think in Rand's mind, he doesn't want to shatter the opinion these young ladies have of him. Yeah, he's like, I probably don't want to have this conversation in front of other people, too. Like, this is fine. Let's let's go behind a closed door for this. Yeah, that's that sounds okay. I mean, you right. can't be so bad. You're, you're with all these other people from my hometown. Exactly. So he goes into this side room with, with them and... They just talk for a few brief moments, and Alana wants to check on him. And, and he's like, hey, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do anything that's going to hurt you. And of course, I said, I can't lie. So he's like, fine. And she touches him and freaking bonds him. Yeah, does something worse than something that could hurt him. It's, Better it's and compared worse. to uh, rape with the power, okay? Because he had no consent here. She just does it, and he can't undo it. He's stuck with it now. She she owns him to a degree. Okay, that's kind of how Yeah, you had a very, very aggressive statement there. And you're not wrong, but we'll get into that at the end of your summary here. Okay, okay. Um, Rand goes off in a rage at this. He's like, how dare you? What have you done? How could you do this to me? And it's a massive betrayal when he actually gives just the teeniest bit of trust to a couple of Aes Sedai, and it is taken advantage like that. This is going to have huge ramifications the rest of the series. He leaves the room. Now he's back out amongst the others, and he's clearly furious. And they're like, I mean, they honor these Aes Sedai. These girls honor them. So like, Rand, come on, calm down. And he goes off on them. He lifts some of them with the power. You know, he reveals he's the Dragon Reborn, and they give him the uh, profit in your own town business. Come on, you're a little, little overblown, dude. So he proves it. Now they're they're mortified. The complete opposite reaction of what he was having before. Now they're terrified of him and, and can't wait for him to leave, which he pretty quickly does in a far more negative mood than he, when he arrived. That's the summary of this chapter. What shall we talk about? Okay. Let's start with the less important things that are just kind of silly, but I want to talk about. Okay. Let's start with sweat. Please do. That seemed thereof. to interest you in a weird sort of way. Go for it. I don't care about the real world context ramifications. Your con question of like, is this a problem? Heat stroke, sweating being a natural necessary thing. I don't care about any of that. <laughs> like, that's fine. I don't care. I love and hate the distinction that this is not an Aes Sedai thing. This is not a thing of the power. I love that because it's cool, and there's, like, uh, the idea of it's more of just a meditative state that you have enough control over your own systems that basically through power of will, you suppress your sweat um... response. You keep that cool, calm. And that feels like something that, I don't know if it is possible, but it feels probable in, like, a weird way. <laughs> what ticks me off about this is... It's very clearly 
It's not a power thing. It's not a power thing. We get told that over and over. And yet it is something that consistently is like, yeah, it's an I said I thing. I said I do this. But people we get channel do this. And it's like, it's not a thing of the power. But the only people we really see doing it are people who channel and not even people all of the same like teaching and schooling. Mazram Taim is the one who teaches Rand here. Who taught him? Is this a borderland thing? It doesn't seem like it. But flip to the other side, the I said I do it. Well, who taught them? Why do Mazram Taim and the I said I both know this when it's not a power related thing? And yet all these various nobles and soldiers and things of other customs who don't have power don't know it. Lan, one of our most meditative, awesome, stoic guys, sweats. Oh, yes. So it's just really frustrating to be like, yeah, no, it's not a power thing, but only people who channel bother doing it. <laughs> what? What? You're telling me no one else has the presence of mind and the willpower to just not sweat. <laughs> they want, don't want to be mistaken as an Aes Sedai, maybe. <laughs> okay, I looked up in the companion, Bode. It's not pronounced. There's no pronunciations in there. Well, but she's her, got a full name. Her full name is Bodwin. So why would it be Bodhi? Because when you shorten something to a nickname, you make it like a shortened, cutesiful version. You don't always. But you, you don't. absolutely can. It doesn't make sense to me to go from, like, Bodwin to Bode. Just because it sounds harsh for a girl nickname. Like, maybe that I is I really feel done. like it's Bode. I, I really do. But it feels but... like Matt and, like, parents, older siblings calling their baby sister Bodhi feels more apt. Okay, viewers, let us know your thoughts on that. Give us your take. <laughs> and it also, like, gives me the vibe then of Bodhi's what people who know her call her, but when she continues her training and becomes an Aes Sedai, she's going to insist on being called Bodwin because she's sick and tired of being called the childish Bodhi. I may be totally off my rocker, but I like it better. Be. And that's valid. Uh, let's talk about the political climate of Andor oh. and Camelin. You know, what Rand is struggling, failing to accomplish. You know, he's established himself as the ruler here, but he doesn't want to rule for good. He just wants to keep it safe and whole until Elaine can arrive. Because he does believe Morghese is dead. He didn't do it, obviously, but he believes Gabriel Ravine had killed her. He has no idea she's out there somewhere. But he's safeguarding it for Elaine, and he has no understanding of how Andorran politics truly works. So he's invited all the nobles who had been Morghese's greatest supporters to come back and help him get things ready for the turnover to Elaine, and none of them have answered his invitation. They won't give him the time of day. They won't come back. It's like... And this is kind of twofold. The ostensibly, like, easy Robert Jordan Wheel of Time kind of thing is what Morghese was noting in the previous chapter about how they're not throwing their support behind Rand. They're not bending the knee to the dragon, they're still maintaining loyal to Tricand House and all that kind of jazz. Um, but if we put a George R. R. Martin Song of Ice and Fire spin on this, there's a certain amount of fear and precaution to not coming back, especially as those who were supporting Gabriel, those who have quickly kind of bent the knee to Rand, are largely the opposition, the ones who are going to scheme to remove Tricand power, remove mm -hmm. their allies... And so a call to, yeah, all the loyalists, come back, come back, you'll have honored places, sounds a lot like a summons to an execution. And they look at, wait a second, you're already surrounded by all those ones. We don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, you, you can't fool us. I see your point. Yeah, makes sense. So like, it's not spelled out directly that way, but I think that's a valid argument. I want to toss in here something I didn't even have in my notes, but we do see in this chapter, Davrim Bashir is more and more a right-hand man for Rand. He's the one voice that really gets to speak into Rand's thoughts, aside from the Aiel clan chiefs and wise, wise one. And LTT, who's literally speaking into his thoughts. <laughs> but that's never really super <laughs> helpful, that part. Bashir is actually trying to be helpful to him and is giving him information that the Aiel can't get. They, they have things here in Camelin that the Aiel don't understand, 
and no one will talk to an Aiel because they're terrified of them. But Bashir and his men aren't so scary. Yes, they're outlanders. They're not from Andor, but they're not Aiel. They so they're have able to hear things custom. and it to Rand. Yeah. Uh, we've got this bit that he's learning things from Tyene. You know, there's implications there. You know, so are you growing your relationship? Is that something that's developing? Is that something that's good? Well, and especially as we have to keep in mind, the last time we saw Rand learning something from Taim, it was very much a trying to pass it off as, oh, I already know this. I'm better and more powerful than you. I'm testing you, and then I'm learning it. And so we have to assume Rand's kind of trying to keep that up. He's still playing these power games a little bit and trying to keep the tentative line between, hey, you have more experience, and my teacher, who was a Forsaken, has disappeared, and I don't really know what's up with that. Um, so I'm trying to fill that gap with you, but I don't trust you enough to tell you that I'm filling that gap with you. Okay, yeah. So there, you know, it, it almost looked like originally that he had just turned this thing at the farm over to Taim. It's your problem now, and I'm washing my hands of it. I'm too busy with other things. And I think there is still something to that, but this inf- implies he hasn't totally washed his hands of things. In some way, he is still in touch. There is still yeah. some contact going on. We're just not seeing all of it. He's stepped back, but not stepped down, at least as of yet. Now, Rand's thoughts on the two rivers. You know, I feel for the guy. He wishes oh, yeah. he could be everywhere he needs to be at once. But he can't clone himself. And time travel really isn't a thing in the Wheel of Time. So Rand's perspective of... It's my fault. I could have been there. These sorts of things make sense to be thoughts to have. They are valid emotions and feelings. They don't make sense, but they make sense for a person to be thinking that way. So like, it's very realistic. And if I were in his shoes, I probably would feel the same way kind of thing. But from an objective standpoint, Rand, it's not your fault. You couldn't do anything because you were elsewhere. You did about everything you could. And I know you're the Dragon Reborn. But not everything is about you. I know you're technically nominally the main character of this series. There are other primary characters. Let them have their stage. It could have been worse for Rand here in his feelings about the two rivers. Because while he heard about the Trolloc attacks, he heard about how Perrin rose up to help save the day and, and didn't such. did hear about Fane? They didn't talk about that in Fane. Because Pat and Fane's whole business there is totally because of Rand. Oh, he that directly was, told man. Rand at one point. Yes, yes. We don't do. We don't meet like this. I'm gonna go burn your hometown. And Rand didn't meet him, and so we're just left to go. Eh. And well, Vane went to go burn his hometown. So yeah, I mean, that is certainly the influence behind why Rand was supportive of Perrin leaving and going to the Two Rivers. The Two Rivers has been threatened. I can't be there for it, but Perrin, you can. So go, and Perrin felt the tug to do so. So yeah, Rand did what he could, but to, to know Pat and Fane was actively there involved in causing all this would just make him feel even worse. But now they also, it is what it as is. As far as I followed, don't mention anything about Lord Luke or, as Perrin knows, some other funky things in there. But there are some interesting tidbits there that I kind of wish were on Rand's radar at this point. Like, I don't think that it would mean anything to him. But just to be on his radar, I think, would be good. Could have helped him later. Yeah, true. Uh, The last thing from this chapter we definitely need to talk about is the implications of this bonding that has taken place. So, you know, we know when an Aes Sedai has bonded a warder, the warder gets some benefits. We do know that. Gets uh, heightened constitution, endurance. um... It's not super specified what exactly all of the benefits are simply that it does generally improve make them better increase their senses a little bit give them a certain level of like shadow spawn sensing that channelers have she said alana said this is not gonna hurt you and that's true becoming a warder does not hurt you it enhances you but now there's this power created tie to alana there's also like Alana has to do a little bit more wiggling in her words and her mental gymnastics, I think, to really make the statement, I'm not going to do anything that will hurt you. Because not only is it, yeah, the bond technically gives you things, improves things, so I'm not hurting you. But also, Alana herself, relatively recently, 
lost a warder and is feeling the hurt that comes from losing someone with a bond. So she has to have like mentally separated herself to say, yeah, I'm adding the bond. I'm not causing you any harm because I'm not doing the potential eventual if like I died, which would cause you a lot of pain now that I've bonded because that's not my active action. I can say I'm not going to do you harm with this. Now, the seeds were planted for this a while ago. You know, mm-hmm. she was thinking of bonding Rand. She was thinking of bonding Perrin. You know, oh, we'll get to have, that next chapter. To have our hooks into these Taviran, there's great value. So she has a moment, she has the opportunity, and she grabs it. But yeah, she didn't think all this through. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering, has Rand thought it fully through yet in the moment that it happens. I'm not sure yet. I not think at all. he'll get there. Not but at all. as we already saw not very long ago, when your eyes to die, your warder, your eyes to die dies, you lose it. You go off. You know, where's Lan? Lan's gone now because Moraine's dead. So this is now a risk to Rand. He's tied to Alana now. He's supposed to protect her. He doesn't have time to protect her. What the heck? This is a complication he does not need. And he's furious and rightly so. Especially when we add in consent and how vital that is. Because this is a very intimate thing. This is a Vulcan mind melt that lasts forever. This is sharing of your intimate thoughts, emotions, and feelings. It's not a perfect like you read each other's thoughts, but you do share an intimate knowing of that person, how they are, where they are constantly. Yep. And there's no real easy, just let's just turn it off. I mean, maybe there is, and there's been some talk about that in the past, but not really like a, nah, I just don't want this anymore. This is a commitment to that. And there's a reason it's done with consent, at least nowadays. I mean, I I described it earlier as like rape with the power. And I didn't make that up. That comes from the book series when they talked about why they don't do this without consent. Because, like you said, there's an intimacy. There's there's some sharing that you can't just easily turn off. It it transforms your life. No one should go into that without being willing. And they used to. And hundreds of years ago, that's how they did it. And the eyes that I came to the consensus, this is wrong. We need to stop. To be fair, we're going to throw in, we've already seen a different warder get bonded without their consent being involved. But it was a very different circumstance. We look at Birgitta being bonded by Elaine versus Rand being bonded by Alana here. One is an act really kind of of love and preservation. This person's dying. I need to save them. And it's still something that causes some conflict to work through. And it's like, okay, we need to we need to talk about what this means a little bit and actually like resolve this. It's, it's not just a one and done. Whereas Alana's bonding Rand out of what she feels is necessity, what she feels is the right thing, but also a need of like control of a Rand has been let off the leash for too long. He needs to the White Tower needs to be guiding, controlling this more. Why hasn't someone done this before? Do it you think be she's maybe even thinking, why hadn't Moraine bonded him? Absolutely. She was with him all that time. Absolutely. And that's only like 75% of her motivation here. Because the other 25%, I think, is a very valid... Alana's been hurting quietly and trying to hold in hurt. And in a way, which almost, I think, makes it worse, Rand is a rebound bond. <laughs> she's not entirely as rational as she probably normally would have been you make a valid is alana totally wrong yes to have bonded rand yes there's no, no justification I'm not saying... at all correct there is not uh i'm wow. not saying there's not a rationalization she's telling herself or that there aren't reasons that she can claim are necessary and valid or you could try and finagle your way to no, it is good because you could help with this or that or whatever. But the way that she does it and why she does it overshadows the possibility of would this be a good thing? Rand being bonded is not necessarily wrong. But Forcing Rand to bond by surprising him with it and doing this not only is wrong, but it also kind of flies in the face of the good things you would accomplish with bonding Rand. 
because he hates you forever now. Yeah, and that's the extra element we really have to drive home here. He already had trust issues with Aes Sedai, going way back to the first book. And he was bluntly told by Moraine, don't trust any of them. And then he lets to a little close, and this happens. This is not good, because honestly, it might be helpful for the Dragon Reborn to have a healthy and positive relationship with Aes Sedai. Mm -hmm. And how is that going to happen when they betray him this way? It's like, oh, come on. And foreshadowing, hints for the future. People, this is going to be huge. If you're a first-time reader, this is huge. And we're going to see again and again the impact this moment has. Well, and poor Bodhi and the other two rivers. You folk, however you want to say it. I intentionally said it that way for your reaction. I know you did, and I had um, to bite. Rand learns here, and foreshadowing again, Aes Sedai are not afraid to use his friends, his family, people close to him to get his guard down or to trick him into something. And that doesn't mean that his friends are always out to get him, but there's a very healthy bit of paranoia that stacks on top of the already unhealthy paranoia he has because his friends and family were used to do this to him. Okay. Well... Enough about chapter 10. Let's move on to chapter 11 and give us your summary. What's this chapter about? Yeah, so chapter 11 is uh, titled Lessons and Teachers. It should just be titled Fallout. <laughs> because chapter 11 is the fallout of chapter 10. Um, we see kind of Varen and Alana decompressing and being like, okay. And Varen, we, we're in Varen's point of view. And Varen's internally going, Alana, you idiot. But then going, all these people are right here. The two rivers people who we're going to train to be Aes Sedai, and we need to show how to do this. And the staff of the inn here are here. I need to put up the front of a united tower, especially as we're learning more and more about the likelihood of this tower split actually being real. Yeah. They and didn't even know about that till they got what here. What that means. So I can't just turn around and berate Alana for being a reckless child in this moment even though she has been. So what we're going to do, it's been a long day already. We're weary from our travels. Um, Could you go ahead and make some tea for all the girls and put like a healthy dose of brandy in there and also get some for yourself and serve it to them in their rooms. We're giving them NyQuil and telling them to go to bed. And like, that's valid. And I think it's helpful because the Two Rivers folk are shaken up. Uh, They are not feeling comfy comfy they're like that's not rand that we know he's a monster he's he's a man who can channel and all they turn on him real fast it's kind of not pretty to see almost this like villager burn the witch feelings right. from relatively nice innocent two rivers folk but varen gets them out of there and then varen and alana do talk a little bit and varen doesn't let her have it but she does She's like, Alana, that was irresponsible. That's not okay. And Alana's like, it needed to happen. It should have happened earlier. All three of those boys should have been bonded the moment they were found. And then we get a quick little flashback to, well, she wanted to bond Perrin. And Fael said that in no uncertain terms, if she did that, Fael would kill her. <laughs> Which, like, very acknowledges stupid. Because if Fael knew what that would do to Perrin, she wouldn't do it. But even if she's just ignorant and dumb in Mutually her threats, assured destruction. <laughs> she's still going to follow through on it. So, like, Alana didn't do it, but she was pissed that she didn't get to do it. She's like, I wanted to bond the Wolf King, okay? He seemed like he was going to fill that gap of where my warder left, this aching hole that I've been hiding away and being strong about, and he didn't. So I'm angry, I'm lonely, my one warder's not enough for me, I need two. And so... When Rand gives the opportunity and he's let his guard down, she goes, of course I bonded him. No, not cool. We also get a couple of tidbits uh, in Varen's thoughts about plans. Uh, plans going wrong, plans need to change. Um, and I don't know if I have the exact quote of how many years. Um, but Varen makes like a internal comment of something that she's been working on for like decades that are derailing with the things Rand is doing, the plans needing to shift. And it's like, I've put in all this work 
is it gonna amount to nothing? Is it gonna do? And we don't know what she's thinking or talking about exactly. But there's something that Varen's been sneaky about um, in terms of like, she's still an Aes Sedai. She's got her own agendas and thoughts and plans. And much like Moraine for 20 years was doing this Dragon Reborn stuff, mm-hmm. Varen's got something cooking too. Indeed. So I think it's important to remember, most Aes Sedai probably have something cooking. And we'll see how many of those Rand breaks. Um, they keep going and they have to grapple with that tower split and decide, are we actually going to carry on and take these two rivers girls to the tower? Or should we seek out the quote unquote rebels? What is the tower? Do we just stay here in Camelin until other people figure out what they're doing? And then we, because we can't just like abandon these people. This is the best find that has ever been really for women with the talent born into them. People who are going to be good Aes Sedai one day. We can't just drop this. We can't drop this and go be with Rand and his advisors, though maybe we should because Moraine's not around, I guess. They they notably mention they have no idea what happened to Moraine, but they feel pretty good he's not there. So like, did he kill her? If he did, what does that mean for what he may or may not do to them, especially after Alana has done this maybe they shouldn't stay in town but we move through and ultimately skip over to rand rand and his pov and we can tell he doesn't necessarily have a full understanding of what this bond is what it's doing but he can feel alana and feel her with him constantly this presence under his skin can't get away from her Mm -hmm. and it's very akin to a sexual assault violated trauma response that is very valid he just needs to get away and he's running and he needs to get further and further away. So he uses the power to travel. He leaves. And I'm out. I'm gone. He, he's like, let's get out to a more idyllic setting. Let's see what's going on at the farm. Get my mind on other things where we see Mazram Taim training and pushing. Uh, these could be channelers. They are channeling, but they, they need work still. Um, and it's not kind. And Rand's like, is that really necessary? Should you really be like throwing rocks at people and things? And Taim's like, yeah, yeah, no, you said you wanted them weapons and you wanted the weapons fast. You gotta let me do my thing. This is what we're doing. And then Rand's like, okay, okay. Um, where's the sword master who I had be here, who was supposed to be teaching them how to use a sword? What? Why are we only doing the power training stuff? Taim's response is great. Uh, why should they bother learning the sword? If they have to use a sword, I've failed in my job of making them a weapon with the power. Anything they could do with the sword, they could always do better with the power. And Rand's response is better because he says, well, I mean, you were shielded and maybe you could have actually done something if you knew how to use a damn sword. (laughs) There's a touche standoff there, Um, especially as Rand goes, you were set free by your followers. These men aren't going to have followers. Yeah, Rand has been questioned on his stance many times. You know, why does he keep practicing with the sword when you can just use the power for everything? And here he's bringing his perspective to apply in a broader setting. And there's a valid argument to be made here that I'm going to bring up later. We'll come back to it. And then we kind of move to, okay, where are we going from here? And Mazarin Taim makes a request request of Rand. Um, He says, hey, you, you need an army. And you need more than just this, but you also, like, more than just this. You need more people who can channel. You need a larger force here. You also probably could use with some people who physically fight for you. So here's what I'm saying. Let me go recruiting. Let me go traveling around to different villages. I could probably do, like, three, four a day. I'll take some of the more experienced guys with me. And maybe eventually when they start getting even better, they can start doing it on their own, too. And we'll go and we'll be, we'll be subtle about it. We'll be like, who wants to serve the Lord Dragon? And if they volunteer, we get walk out of town. And then we travel a thousand miles away. And now they can't go back to town. And now we tell them, okay, if you can channel, boot camp. Here we go. If you can't channel, uh, head on over to Camelin. It's about a three-day march that direction. When you get there, tell them you're joining the Lord Dragon's army. And they'll start training you to fight that way. Because Rand, Davron Bashir's great and all, sure, yeah. But like, if Queen Tenobia is like, hey, stop, he will, and you'll be left high and dry. And the Aiel, I don't trust them. I'm, I, Mazram Tame, 
am racist against the Aiel. <laughs> Which makes sense. He's a borderlander. And so Rand thinks about it and is like, ah, Taim, do I trust you? No, but I'm going to let you do it anyway. Do it. Get me more weapons. It's probably a good idea to have more of both of these. I'm probably going to regret this decision, but I need it anyways, because right now I feel violated and weak and I need all the weapons and protection I can get. Yeah. And that's kind of our chapter. There we go. And he needs all the weapons he can get. And Taim promises him, you're going to have a lot. I'm going to do it. So uh, what should we talk about from this chapter? What do you have in mind? So there's so many things in the first portion of it that I can't talk about. <laughs> because anytime we get in Varen's head, I feel like I can't say anything without spoiling things. Too spoilery. The woman has secrets. And maybe that's true of any time we're in any Aes Sedai's head. But <laughs> so let's just leave that away unless you have something you want to talk about from that conversation. Um, no, I... I think we're pretty good there we talked about enough of that stuff in the first chapter yeah i I think we can spend it on the second half so let's go to second half which is really more of just like the addendum it's the smallest part of this chapter sure Rand goes to the farm this is gonna have good and bad consequences right like we we gotta know that just the fact he's put taim in such an elevated position and taim has already showed his agenda his perspective on how to go about things is strikingly different from rand and so the more he allows taim to do it his way to do things his his own of his own impetus it puts more and more risk that this stuff is not going to go the direction rand would want it but Maybe that's what Rand needs. Maybe he needs someone bringing in a different perspective. And yet Rand's not micromanaging and delegating right? to Taim led to the Swordmaster being dismissed, which was actively something Rand said, no, this is important. This is necessary. And so if Taim's just going to disregard what Rand says, should he really trust him with stepping up further uh, what he's doing and doing having more authority to even, like, hand-select who he's actually doing now. And we get into this interesting perspective where we saw in the last chapter the Aes Sedai take advantage of Rand having his guard down. But in this chapter, Rand goes, and Taim takes advantage of Rand having his guard up too high. Because the guard isn't up to Taim. It's to Aes Sedai. And so Taim's able to use these fear tactics to essentially be like, you need this. And yeah, it may not be comfy, but you need more. You need a bigger stick to carry around and beat off the wolves. And Rand's just sitting there going, yeah, I tried to do it myself. I thought I could handle things and I messed up. So, you know, maybe my decision making is wrong. Maybe maybe you should be able to have more control over this. And I don't see myself ever agreeing with what you're actually doing and how. But maybe you're right. So again, the implications of what Alana did to him in the last chapter are going to continue to pile on. And you're you're saying right here, this is part of it. Yeah. The already fresh scars from Alana's actions allow Rand to be reactionary mm-hmm. to Taim's statement. And Taim, <laughs> what, a, what a creep. He is more than happy to take advantage of any situation that plays in his favor. He's just not a very nice guy. He really isn't. Now let's take a moment. Let's talk about swords. And okay. not in that way. Um, <laughs> not in that way. What? What? Uh, well, we're not that kind of podcast. So we're not talking about swords. Like, uh, we're talking about I didn't swords. bring up that way. Like the, one, okay. the ones on the, your wall behind you. Sword play. Um, yeah. Rand thinks it's important and necessary to learn the sword, to use the sword. Yeah. And that's a good, valid thing. But really, don't cut yourself. Why? And it's not because Rand thinks people are going to actively be using a sword to fight all the time. Rand, in fact, by using his sword more often than not, is making dumb decisions. We saw the show adaptation correct one of Rand's dumb decisions when we had our nice Indiana Jones moment and Rand didn't fight the Blade Master and instead just power <laughs> machine gunned everyone. Moment. Which is Taim's point, going, you have the power, why would you ever bother you? But I don't think the sword, whether it's a conscious thing or not... Rand's point about it, I don't think, is about actually using it in combat. Training, having these katas that you go through, these moments, this discipline allows for a certain amount of centering and zen. And these are the things he learned from Lan. Yes, he learned how to fight with the sword from Lan. 
but he learned how to control himself and keep a certain level of balance, which is immensely important to channeling, especially the male half of the power when we're talking about the madness and the taint and all this. And Brand's sure. got his own issues. Clearly, he's got a voice in his head. <laughs> but having meditative techniques and patterns and things that can bring you back to a center is huge. Oh, yeah. And having oh, yeah. discipline in a militant force of any kind is necessary. Right. And so Taim, I think, is essentially saying, I don't want your kind of soldier. I don't want the traditional or the balanced, wise warrior. I want weapons that a general can control. You seem to be wanting to make well-balanced, rounded channelers, which is great, but won't be missiles as quickly. They'll become pistols. You need nukes. <laughs> okay, I won't argue with that take. That makes sense. I guess I'm just firing on all cylinders today. You haven't been fighting most of my takes. Yeah, well, you know, even once in a while, you can be right. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, anything else we should talk about? I think that probably wraps things up nicely, other than our full spoiler section. Yeah? Yeah. All right. So at this point, we would say if you're a first-time reader, this is where you should bop out, because... Now we're going to each take a turn to, you know, discuss something full spoil. One of the things from these chapters that uh, we're going to reveal all the secrets and talk about how awesome it is. And you shouldn't be here for that because we will ruin the books for you. And we hate doing that for people. So bye. Bye bye. And for those of you who stuck around. The spoiler room. So let's do this. Uh, let's roll to see who gets to spoil first. I totally know what I want to spoil, so. I got a 12. I got a 7. Hey! Yeah, you get to go first. So on a reread, um, Varen's Black Aja, but also with deeper plans. And it's more or less told here. Yeah, Varen's been dedicating decades to uncovering Black Aja as Black Aja with the, like, rough plan that maybe one day she'll do something with it. I still have to believe that she needs to not have it be, like, the actual plan, but more building enough preparation that maybe one day she will act upon it. Because if she's choosing to act upon it, like, she can't, she can't be acting with the actual plan to act on it yet. And I do think there's enough of, like, an understanding where she can be compiling her list of Black Aja and all these things, all these secrets, for herself and for her plans. But those plans being, you know, if I ever, like, am dying, maybe I'll divulge this. <laughs> and that's, like, the furthest she can go to say, yeah, yeah I'm going to poison myself and give this to Egwene later. Okay. But she says it here, and never would I have thought when I first read this that that's what she's talking about when she's like, mm -hmm. yeah, Rand's shaking things up. He's splitting the tower. Is this going to mess with these plans that I've been working on for decades? It's like, yeah, but. But in a good way. The fact that that's what's on your mind during this interaction and conversation, and we have no idea what you're talking about. Wild. All right, my spoiler. This, what happened here today in chapter 10, creates the need for Cad Swain. This is where it happens. Because the ability to work with and ever fully trust the Aes Sedai is shattered here. Mm -hmm. It was tenuous all along, but this breaks it. And the only way it could ever be fixed again is Cad Swain's approach, where she's going to come in and basically whip him into shape. <laughs> I hate the way Cad Swain treats Rand, but nobody else would have been able to accomplish earning his respect being able to become something that he can count on again. Cad Swain is so not like the other Aes Sedai, so not a party line person that he can finally, okay, work with this person. Not truly bond, pun, with this person, but he can work with. Uh, it's it's a mess later when she's trying to do all that, but it all became necessary because of a And yet, let's talk about mess and going back to this moment and how it applies to Cad Swain, we get to Rand's in his darkest points. And what's the plan? The plan is get Tam involved, which is necessary and good and like works, kind of. But also is going, hey, 
you know how this problem initially like kind of was born out of using Rand's two rivers people and people close to him that get his guard down we should use his dad to get his guard down and see if he can get through to him you are weaponizing his loved ones against him and yes it's for his own good and yes it's necessary but it hurts Speaking of weaponizing, since we're spoiling extra things, obviously Alana becomes a weapon used by Moradin at the end in a way that was almost devastatingly horrific for the power of good. Which, though, I just want to bring in a quick little thought here. You can get rid of a bond. You can transfer a bond. You can do a number of these things. Why does that never happen? I assume it's like because Alana made it, she's the one who would have to do it and she never yeah, she can't be to. forced to do it but let's go a step further Nynaeve learns how to cure stilling learns how to cure madness and when she goes Rand I could probably cure your madness he's like nah I've, I've taken care of that by now and that's great and fine but why is there not the thought hey Rand you remember how like you've got this bond to someone you don't want maybe I could take a look at that and break that open like maybe we could take that off they just like forget about it by then i I think that's too inconvenient to the story to make that an element makes sense that it might be possible but besides i said i would probably frown on anybody potentially learning how to take away their water i don't think Nynaeve has ever cared what i said i frown upon (laughs) isn't just being able to solve the stilling gentling issue enough must you demand more from her i don't demand I expect because she's already <laughs> back, she's done harder. So I wish she'd done that too. Ay, ay. All right. That's where we'll leave you guys. Thanks for joining us here today. We hope you enjoyed this again. Please like it. I assume if you're still here, you're a subscriber. But if somehow you're not, do that too. It's right there. Hit the subscribe down underneath all this. There's a place to, you know, give us your comments. Let us know your thoughts here. Especially, you know, agree with me that Bode is how to say her name. Or agree with the kid if you want. But let us know your thoughts. And there are links down there to our Discord server, to our social media spots, ways that you can interact with Zach and I. We love chatting with people. So reach out, get in touch. And I think that's it then. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.